0: And with Ish this morning and we look forward and bless the children as they go and look forward to our time together. Thank you worship team for leading us this morning uh, in worship. If you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be looking at four different passages this morning as we begin this series here in Advent. We're going to be in... Uh, calling it Encountering Advent, and over the next four Sundays, we will have five messages concluding the fifth one on Christmas Eve and a Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock. But we desire that these would be not just ideas, hope, peace, joy, love, light. That they would not just be ideas or concepts, But that we would encounter the one who is hope, peace, joy, love, and light. Because that is where we are transformed. And that is where it moves from just an idea to a reality that transforms us deep within our soul. So this morning we want to start with this idea and encountering Advent, of encountering hope. There are sermon notes in your bulletin. If you have a Bible, open to the book of 1 Timothy, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Is where we will start. We'll look at four different scriptures. um, Give you opportunity to flip through some scriptures this morning. Sermon notes will be uh, the fill-ins will be on the screen if you desire to be a note taker. So, number of years ago, back 2007 uh, into 2008, uh, there was in the presidential campaign former president obama's two thousand campaign there was a poster that was designed by an artist by the name of Shepard Ferry, who you may have seen and as soon as I say the word hope, you may have your mind go to this image, this image of hope with the portrait of former President Barack Obama as much as this was representative of the in what he was Uh, bringing as the policies that in his mind were going to bring change, regardless of what you think of those policies and regardless of what you think about him, it became more than just the change that he was saying that he was going to bring, to he began to be the representative for those who were supporters of hope. It's one of those things that, that came about during that time. And if you would say, oh, well, that was just President Obama... Well, a few years later, there was this poster that came out as well during former President Trump's, where he had hope on there as well. And so it's not just limited to a president. It's not just limited to uh, president, former President Obama or former President Trump. We as people, whether it is a pro athlete who can win a game for us, or a doctor who can cure the ailment that we have, or the economist who can solve the issue of inflation and avoid a recession, or whether it's a scientist who can develop the breakthrough, we are people who are wired to look to people as our objects of hope. Certainly we will put hope sometimes in things like money or philosophies or products or gimmicks, but we keep coming back to this idea that people are who and where we find hope. I believe this is because we are wired for that. But what we end up doing is instead of putting our hope in the one that we were wired to put our hope in, Jesus, we end up putting our hope in fallible human beings who may be able to provide some measure of encouragement or help, but will never be able to be like Jesus, never, as we sang this morning, never let us down. And so there is one person that we want to exalt and we want to look to for hope, and that is Jesus. This morning, as we seek to encounter hope, we need to begin by realizing first that our hope is a person. Our hope is a person. Paul, in his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verse 1, in his introductory statement says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our Hope of Christ Jesus, our hope. Paul says right in this greeting to Timothy, he states that Jesus Christ is our hope. Our hope is not a thing. Our hope is not an idea. Our hope is not a reality. Our hope is a person, Jesus Christ. You know, as we begin Advent, there are going to be, Lots of talk, and you have maybe already had some of this talk around you or come out of your mouth along the way, but there will be lots of talk about hope. I hope I get such and such for Christmas. I hope that our family will be able to gather together for Christmas. And I hope that if our family gathers together for Christmas, that they're all going to get along at Christmas. Or I hope that we're going to have enough money to buy the gifts. Or I hope that I don't get too stressed out in this season to come. I hope it snows for Christmas because I've been dreaming for a white Christmas. I hope. I hope. All of these are good. All of these are normal to hope for. But here's the thing about all of those. None of them are certain. None of them do we know for sure will happen. But biblical hope, the kind of hope that Paul is writing about of Jesus Christ, our hope, that hope is a person. Biblical hope is certain. Biblical hope is certain because it is based on the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one that we sang about. We sang about God of Abraham in the song Promises, You're the God of promises. You're the one who is faithful and true. The scriptures say that all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises that God made to Abraham and on and on and on and because he is we seek to him encounter him this advent we seek to know him because he is the pre-existent in other words before time even began jesus was jesus is the second person of the trinity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and though pre existent and fully God, we celebrate the fact that this person who is our hope left the glories of heaven and came to this earth taking on human flesh as a humble baby so that we might see and know God in human form. You see, our hope is certain. Our hope is a person. Our hope is Jesus. Not only is our hope a person, but our hope is alive. Our hope is alive. If you're in 1 Timothy, make your way back a little ways in the New Testament. You'll go to 2 Timothy, and then you'll come to Titus and Philemon. Hebrews, then the book of James, and then after James, you'll come to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, writes this to the church at Rome. 1 Peter 1, 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth." into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, because our hope is a person, Jesus Christ, I think it would make sense logically to say that that person needs to be alive if we are going to find hope in that person. There would be no hope if the person our hope is is dead. It's just the reality. But the truth of the scriptures say that our hope is alive. Jesus, in his coming as a man, came in that humble state, that vulnerable state of a baby, that he might come to experience life, to walk amongst us as we did and as we do. He came that he might demonstrate and bring the kingdom of God. He came that he might live a sinless, perfect life. He came that he might go to a horrific cross, that the sin of the world, though he innocent of all sin, that the sin of the world would be laid upon him, and that he, the perfect son of God, would die to pay for the penalty of our sin. But that it wouldn't stay there. It wouldn't be that he would taste death for us, that it would extend to the fact that he would overcome death, that he would be resurrected from the dead. See, Peter says our hope is a living hope that has tasted death, though has been resurrected and is alive today. Our hope is alive. You see, every single one of us has to face the enemy of death. We all have the common enemy. There isn't one of us here today that does not have this enemy of death. The scriptures say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of what we deserve because of that falling short is death. Death is the common enemy for every single person on planet Earth. And so Jesus... The one who came as a person who is our hope was not exempt from that. But the good news is that he did not stay under its power. But the Father, by the Spirit, raised him back to life again so that death would be overcome. So that though we face it, each one of us, we do not have to stay bound by it just as jesus is alive he is our resurrection he is our hope and he will never taste death again our living hope is our living hope because he died and was resurrected back to life but not only was he resurrected but he was he has ascended to heaven as well where he sits at the right hand of the father our hope is alive He rules, and he reigns. And because he is alive, Peter says, we also can be included in this living hope as well. Peter says it's God's great mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What we deserve is to face death and not have any hope after it. But God, in his great mercy, has given us a new birth a new life as those who come to him in faith and repentance receive a new birth into this living hope. We're going to celebrate this in a few moments as we would take communion. The body of Christ represented by the bread and the blood of Christ represented by the cup, remembering his body and his blood so that we could move from death to life, so that we would experience his great mercy All of this because hope is a person and our hope is alive. Not only are these true of Jesus as we would encounter hope, but our hope is also returning. I shared with you the fact that Jesus died, was resurrected, and has ascended to heaven. He's not going to stay there. One day he is returning. If you move back a few pages in your Bibles, you'll find James, Hebrews you'll come to next, and then you'll come to a couple really small books. The first one is Philemon, it's about a page long, and then after Philemon is the book of Titus. In my Bible, it's about three pages long. Titus chapter two, verse 13, but I will begin reading in verse 11. Because Paul, in writing to Titus, reiterates what Peter wrote. He says, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Paul reiterates to Titus what Peter wrote. It's God's grace, he adds. Grace is, not, is going beyond mercy. It's giving us something good in return. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace goes beyond and gives us something that we don't deserve. It's God's grace and his mercy that leads us to salvation through Christ, who gave himself so that we might be redeemed, bought back to God from the power of sin, and to cause us to live holy and pure lives. In all of this, Paul says that this is while we wait for our blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? Our blessed hope is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, as he ascended into heaven, in Acts chapter one, the angels who spoke to the disciples said, do not be afraid, do not worry. Just as he went into heaven, ascended, he will come in the same way, personally and visibly. There is a day, There is a day, brothers and sisters, that the Bible calls the day of the Lord that is coming when Jesus will return in power and in glory to destroy all that is evil and all that is wrong. And he will make all things right. But even more than that, and what makes his return so good, is that he will gather us to himself. And he will be with us and we will be with him forever. This is the blessed hope of all of those who have come to know the living hope. Friends, we are celebrating and preparing our hearts to celebrate his first Advent. Or Advent is a word for coming. His first advent, his first coming, was humble. Born of a virgin in a manger in a trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes with animals all around in a trough of, filled with hay. He came as a humble, vulnerable baby. But his second advent, his second coming, will be glorious. The glorified, resurrected Christ will return. And it gives us extreme hope. It gives us hope to live, as Paul says, it gives us hope to live holy and upright lives as we wait for his glorious appearing. We all have memories from childhood that are etched in our mind, and one of mine is my dad was going off on a business trip. And this was, I grew up just outside of Youngstown, Ohio. And at that time, there was the Youngstown Regional Airport. And this would have been well before 9-11. I was just a little kid at that point. And so we were able to walk out with my dad on the tarmac near the plane. And it was one of those little propeller planes. And he and just a couple of his coworkers were getting on this little plane to go. I don't even know where. They were going to be gone for the week, work week. And they would be back but we were able to walk out close there and be able to say our goodbyes to my dad. And then we came back into the airport and there was an observation deck that was outside. And so we climbed up the stairs and we were on this outside observation deck. As you could see, my dad and his coworkers down there and they were boarding the plane and they would wave back to us because my dad's boss, his wife was my kindergarten teacher. So just imagine how those worlds connect there a little bit. So here we are, we are watching, they're waving goodbye, they board this little propeller plane, they begin to taxi down the runway, the plane begins to get speed and it takes off, you see, and you know, as a kid, you're just amazed at watching this plane take off. And slowly but surely, it's gaining altitude and going farther and farther until the plane's getting smaller and smaller and smaller until it's just this little dot and eventually that little dot disappears. I remember how sad I was as a little kid. There goes my dad. But my mom and my kindergarten teacher (laughs) reassure me in that moment, don't worry. Just as he left, he will be coming back. And when he comes back, everything's going to be right again. Everything that will not be right with my dad not being there for these few days, everything will be right because he will be with us again. Friends, this is what we have as our blessed hope. That just as Jesus ascended to heaven as the one who is our hope and the one who is alive, who tasted death and was resurrected and ascended into heaven, one day he is coming back. He is returning just as he ascended. Our hope is a person. Our hope is alive. Our hope is returning. And as we wait, let us remember that our hope lives in us. Our hope lives in us. If you're in Titus, one more passage, you'll Move back a little farther, you'll see 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, then 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, and then you'll run into another small book, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul, the same writer of Titus, is the writer of Coloss- Colossians, and he says this. Colossians 1, 27. To them... And this is those who the fullness of the gospel, this mystery of the gospel, to believers, to them, these saints who have believed in Christ, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ In you, the hope of glory. The fullness of our hope is future. The fullness of our hope is the hope of glory. When we will be like Christ, when he will return and make all things right and we will be with him and we will be glorified. All these things that are broken in our physical bodies and all the pain and suffering of this world will be no more. Everything will be returned as it was intended to be. The hope of glory. That is the future fullness of it. But friends, listen to what Paul is saying, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, our hope, though the fullness future, our hope is now also. This is this tension that we live with, that hope has come, the kingdom has come. Salvation has come. The love of God has come. The light of Christ has come. The peace and joy as we're well looking, they've all come, but not full yet. It's already here, but not full. Paul is saying our hope right now, if you are a believer in Christ, our hope right now lives in you, lives in us. Christ in you now is the hope of glory future. Friends, too often I hear Christians talk about the future of heaven and the future of Christ's return as something that we are just kind of putting our time in here on earth waiting for. It's just this future thing and we just got to grin and bear it and just kind of got to muddle through and, Yeah, there is this reality that there is much that we are longing for and looking for in this future fullness. But do you understand what we have right now? We have Christ, our future fullness of hope, living in us now. He is with us now. Jesus said, and the night before he went to the cross, in John chapter 14, verse 8, Jesus said that he was going to leave, but when he left, he would not leave us as orphans, but he would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with us. And Jesus said that when he did that, it would be he himself with us, and living in us, so that Christ, the hope of glory, lives in you and lives in me. Friends, don't miss the present hope now while we wait for the future fullness of hope. Christ in you now, the hope of glory. The fullness is coming, but it is present We have entered into that time of life where your children have moved on to next seasons of their lives. And so we're in that season with Eli having graduated from high school and headed off to college six and a half hours away. And so we're experiencing all of those things that family life has of just trying to figure out how do you live with this One that you knew so little and lived with you for 18 years, now not being there. And there is this great hope and reality of looking for this is when they are coming home. So whether it was fall break or Thanksgiving or Christmas break here in a couple of weeks, knowing that he is returning, there is that hope, that looking forward to him being with us again. But you know, it would be silly for us if we said, oh, I can't wait for that, 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 and ignore the fact that we have phone calls, texting, FaceTime, all of these other ways to be able to have relationship with him. Wouldn't that be silly? You would say, you are missing out on the opportunity to have a relationship with your son just because he is not here physically present with you. And so we engage with text messaging, phone calls and FaceTime and Marco Polo apps, all these ways to be able to continue a relationship though he is 400 miles away and six and a half hours away. And when he comes back, there's great joy. But the relationship has continued. The relationship has deepened because we stay connected together. Friends, our hope is a person who is alive and is returning, but do not just wait for the future. Christ, the hope of glory, is now. And he moves amongst his people. And he is moving and working in the world today. And he is inviting his people to join with him. And one day we will have the fullness of this glory as Christ returns. But today and until that day engage and seek after hunger and thirst. Worship and pray. Read the scriptures. Be with the people of God. Gather on Sundays and in small groups and prayer gatherings. Whenever you can get together with the people of God, be together to encounter the one who lives in you and lives in us. Our hope is a person. Our hope is alive. Our hope is returning and our hope lives in us today.